The title of our message this morning is Leaving Our Expectations Behind. We'll be looking at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, if you want to open your Bibles there with me. As we are nearing the end of this Lenten journey, we stand two weeks from Easter Sunday today. I wonder how this season has been for you. Particularly, how have you been this past week? Together, we've been thinking about the burdens that we carry, the things that that we are tempted, maybe, uh, to carry with us through life, and that that are heavy, that are difficult. And I wonder this week if, if there have been things that you have felt heavy under the burden of, if you have been finding ways to invite Jesus into those spaces with you, to offer them to him in new ways. Last week, we talked about the weight of worry and anxiety, how we're tempted to carry that with us through life. Today, I want to look at another burden that is often related to those things that can hamper our progress as disciples, can also steal our joy. And that is the burden of our expectations. Often, I think part of what makes us anxious in life is when we experience a gap between what reality presents us and what we were expecting to have received. Often, to stay calm, we we feel like we need to be in the know, we need to be in control, we need to have our futures clearly defined. Unfortunately, this month has been incredibly difficult for setting expectations. Everything seems to be hyper-dynamic. We don't really know what to expect. Our world feels upside down with each new day. I've been following on Facebook this week a friend of ours from Australia, and she was engaged to be married to her fiancé this month. But with all that's taken place, they've had to adjust their expectations. They've actually changed the, the time and the date of the wedding now four separate times. Just a few days ago, they finally managed, though, to pull together an intimate service with a few family members and friends and tie the knot just uh, right before everything shut down with the government offices there. Many of us have been praying for Helen Chapitis this week. You'll know that Helen, in her work with Wycliffe, uh, serving in Papua New Guinea, She spent the better part of nearly five days at airports, flying internationally, trying to piece together an itinerary that would get her back home here to Jericho. That requires an immense amount of patience and flexibility and adjusting of expectations. Sure, all of us have been adjusting our assumptions and expectations this week. Students have come home from college. Many have travel plans that have been postponed or canceled. Parents have become homeschoolers. Job situations are rapidly changing. Some of them are 
turning upside down. So much of what we were expecting this spring to look like, this Easter season to look like, has changed. And it's, it's hard to make any kind of plans right now. I think many of us are asking, well then what can we expect? And how do we let go of the expectations we had that, that don't fit, that don't seem to, to be able to go forward right now? At the end of Matthew 19, the first part of chapter 20, Jesus gives us a series of stories that are about expectations. Specifically, I think these stories illustrate how following Jesus is meant to reset our expectations. We're told, firstly, about a rich young man who comes to Jesus seeking to follow him. But this young man's love of money doesn't fit together with the places Jesus desires to lead him in discipleship. And so the young man walks away from Jesus, his heart made heavy with the expectations he's carrying. Just a few moments later, though, the Apostle Peter turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us. Peter's question is also about expectations. He's asking, Jesus, what does our future hold with you? What is it that we can expect as we follow you? Jesus' answer to Peter comes in two parts. First, he promises that one day when, when heaven invades earth, He says, at the renewal of all things, whatever you have left behind, Peter, as a disciple of mine, will be returned to you in a greater measure. Whether that's houses or possessions or commitments or relationships that have changed. He says, on that day which is coming, the first will be last and the last will be made first. But the second part of Jesus' answer to Peter, and the one that I want to spend our time with this morning, comes back to him in the form of a story. At the opening of chapter 20, Jesus tells a parable about what it means to leave our expectations behind. Let me pray for us as we look into the word of God today. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see, give us ears to hear your word for us, to clarify what we can expect, who we can expect you to be. Help us to surrender the anxieties, the assumptions, the things that get in the way of our discipleship. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth as I preach that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 7 to begin. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius, a generous day's wage, 
for the day. And then he sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing there. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. I realize that this is the halfway point of this parable. We stopped right before the punchline, right before things start to get interesting. But I think there are already a few critical things for us to notice before we go on. In verse 1, Jesus begins this story. He, he says this parable is like the kingdom of heaven. Jesus actually starts many of his parables this way. And I think it's his way of saying, if you want to know what life in the kingdom of God is like, if you want to know what to expect as you follow me, then listen closely. Pay attention to this story. Inasmuch as we need to leave unhelpful assumptions, unhelpful expectations behind, we also need kingdom-minded expectations to be imported into our imaginations. We need to know what Jesus invites us to expect. And so as we hear this parable, we need to be asking what it says about his kingdom. It gives us this image of, of day laborers. And if you've traveled in the developing world, you may have witnessed the kind of scene Jesus describes here. Men often are the ones gathered in markets or town centers, and they have wives and families at home to feed. And they will come early in the morning, before the sun comes up, and they'll gather there looking for a day's work, hoping that, that a farmer or a contractor or someone with, with a project requiring hard labor would come and invite them into the work. But, but those who gather in the early morning know that, that as the hours go by, if you're still there at, at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or by noon, your chance of finding work that day is quickly approaching zero. But that's not what happens in this story. Right? The, the owner of this vineyard is full of surprises. And the first one is how relentless he is at hiring new employees. The passage says that he shows up at the village square at dawn, probably 6 a.m. But then he comes back at 9 o'clock. He comes back again at noon. He's there at 3. He comes back again at 5 p.m. And every time, his invitation remains the same. He says to those workers, go and work in my vineyard. We might wonder, does the vineyard owner really need all these workers? 
What's What's the idea here? Well, it's hard to say exactly from the text, but Kenneth Bailey, who is a scholar, someone who spent the better part of his life researching the parables of Jesus in particular, what he says is paramount in this first part of the parable is that this vineyard owner is a man of compassion. This landowner will not watch those who are willing and able to work simply be left behind, left without meaningful labor to offer. And so even if no one else is hiring, he is. If I had to summarize then the the kingdom idea, the the expectation we're meant to, to, to draw from these first seven verses, I think it's this. We can expect that God is always inviting us to work with him. We can expect his invitation to work with him. There are times where all of us doubt our ability. We doubt our worth. We doubt the desirability of of the contributions we have to make. Like those workers in in the parable who, who show up at dawn and they're still there, at nine, and they're still there at noon, and as the day goes by, they begin to get discouraged. They begin to wonder about what they're doing and the worth of their work. We all, I think, can grow discouraged in a similar way. Maybe you're adjusting and wondering about the value or the importance or, or the way you're working right now. For the the foreseeable future, many of us are now working from home. Some have had their work hours changed. Some have had their work furloughed or even terminated. Some of you are working harder than ever before and under incredibly stressful circumstances. And in, in the middle of all that change, in all of that shifting, God's expectation for our work remains the same. Right? His invitation is the same. Each new morning, like, like the landowner, like the vineyard owner in this parable, each new morning God comes to us wherever we are. He sees precisely what he has created us to do and to contribute. And he says, today will you come with me? Will you come work in my vineyard? Will you offer what you have toward the kingdom that I'm cultivating? And I know each new day it can be challenging. This is is a stressful time. The days can be long. The weeks seem to go by slowly right now. But each new day, I think if we take the time to listen to the Spirit's voice, we'll hear the words of invitation that God desires us to work in his kingdom, that that's his expectation. He's chosen us. But that isn't the end of this story, right? We've still got the second half to go. So let's look at verses 8 to 16. It goes on to say that after he's gathered all of these workers, he's hired them throughout the day, they're there in his vineyard, Verse 8 says, Then when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, 
beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. They said, those, these who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But the man answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. If, if the first seven verses in this parable helped us to see God's expectation for our work, Verses 8 through 16 here help us to see the expectations sometimes we put back on to God. We join the story as the workday finishes here and the, the payday, that the pay time comes around. And it's, it's then that things in the parable really start to, to shift and get interesting. Verse 9 says, The foreman chooses to start by paying the latecomers first. The guys who arrived just a few hours before quitting time. And quite honestly, these these guys might not even be expecting to get paid that day. They they may be just hoping that the, the one or two hours of work they did would earn them a spot back in the vineyard the next day. But as the foreman goes by, he presses into their hand a gift. And as they look to see the coin there, they see they have received a denarius, a full day's wage for their work. And I'm sure the kindness of the one who called them to work in his vineyard exceeds their expectations at that moment. These men go home with, with joy and with dignity that night to their families. And they go home with the surprise of money enough to care for their family. It's an awesome surprise in this parable. But there are others taken by surprise mentioned in verse 10. Those who spent the whole day working in the master's vineyard. And as the foreman approaches this group, they begin to speculate about what their pay should be. The text says they expected to receive more. And that expectation is what leads them into difficulty. As the foreman comes by, he places into their hands a Daenerys as well. He gives them the promised wage for their day's work. But as they look upon that coin, they begin to grumble. And they say, we we worked for the whole day. Others, others only came for half or a quarter or a tenth of the shift. We worked for you. Don't you owe us 
more. Notice what's happened here. In the morning, these men were were simply overjoyed at the master's offer of a day's work. Now, at the end of that day, as they receive their wage, they're bitter. They grumble. What took place in between those two events? They have become blinded by expectations they have created for themselves. In verse 13, then, the owner of the vineyard addresses their change in expectations. First, he points out the justness of his dealings. He says, I have not been unfair to you. You have been given what you were promised. And you may take your pay if you wish and go. You don't have to return to my vineyard. But I think the owner of this vineyard in verses 14 and 15 says to to these workers who grumble at their wage, he says he wants them to see what they have missed. That their master is not only just, but he is generous. He says, I wanted to give those hired last what I promised to give you. Isn't it my money, my vineyard, my invitation to work? Are you envious of my generosity. He says, if, if you are going to leave, please recognize that you've missed something greater than the wages I can pay you. You've missed my mercy. You've missed my generosity. You've missed the chance to love what I love. You missed the chance not just to work for me, but to work with me in this labor. These verses, then, I think, are critical for for understanding a second truth, setting a a second expectation for us as people following Jesus. And that is that we must learn to expect that God will always be better than we have expected. Let me say that again. We must learn to expect that God will always be better than we expected. He will be kinder than we can comprehend. He will be more merciful than we deem is fair. He will be more concerned with our vulnerability than we would believe. But to be in relationship with a God like that means we we have to learn to hold our expectations with open hands. Where we run into trouble is when we begin to supply God's judgments for him. But if we get to know the the God that Jesus describes here, if we come to understand that our God is always better than we expect, even even in all the mystery that that contains and and the parts and pieces of that 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 we can't quite figure out, when we come to trust in that, then we can begin to leave behind our expectations and and the things that weigh us down. Like so many of Jesus' parables, this one ends without putting all the pieces back together. We We don't know which workers will be back the next morning in the vineyard. 
and, and who will still be at home grumbling and frustrated and anxious. That's Jesus' way, I think, of asking us to reflect on where we show up in this story. Are we joyfully making our way into kingdom work each day? Are, are we hearing the affirmation of the one who's called us? Are we expecting his goodness, his invitation? Or are we struggling to kind of force reality to come back onto our terms? Things are, are unpredictable. These are unpredictable days. Like Peter, we, we wish to know what we can expect at day's end. What we can assume is this. Now, with each new day, we have a God who is eager to call us to work with and for and beside him in his vineyard. And that as we do so, as we respond to that invitation, we will witness that he is a God who is far better than we have expected. I want to invite you in conclusion this morning. We have some music prepared and just to use this as a time to offer who you are, the things you possess, all that God has placed in you as, as an offering back to him. That he might see it, that he might affirm that, that you might know that he is with you in it. And as you do that, may it bring you a, a lightness and a joy to continue following Jesus today. Amen.